You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in, everybody, to the flagship podcast. Eric Henry of Horns 24-7 and myself, Chip Brown of Horns 24-7. We're back in Austin. Last time you saw us, we were wishing you a happy new year from the Sugar Bowl. Tough night, obviously, with Washington prevailing. 37-31. Now, full disclosure, we're recording on Wednesday after the national championship game, Michigan taking down Washington. Uh, 34 to 13. Wow. Um, with Michigan running for 303 yards. Um, and I won't belabor the point, but would have been nice to see Texas run the ball a little bit more against Washington, especially early in the game. Don't come at me with the fumbles. I'm talking about like, like what Michigan did running for what, 19 yards of carry in the first quarter, two uh, touchdown runs of 46 and 41 yards. But we have much to get to, Eric. We're not going to belabor what of, could of, should of, what ifs. We got real stuff to deal with here. We got Texas Longhorns declaring for the NFL draft. We've got Texas Longhorns saying they're coming back. Uh, let's start there before we get to Johnny Nansen as the new co-defensive coordinator and linebackers coach for the Longhorns. Um, obviously, uh, if you follow along at horns247.com, we've kept you up to date. Um, sometimes we've kept you up before it happens um, with regard to who's leaving. And um, the, that list is painful. Uh, but Understandable. Jonathan Brooks is leaving. Uh, tight end Jatavian Sanders is leaving. Jaron Thompson and Keaton Crawford are in the portal. Byron Murphy's going to the NFL draft. Uh, Isaiah Nayer is now at Nebraska. Jalen Catalan's now at UNLV. A.D. Mitchell has uh, announced he is entering the NFL draft. Um, Ryan Watts is also entering the NFL draft. Jalen Ford is entering the NFL draft, but good news. Um, Jake Majors says he's coming back for another year. So is Alfred Collins, the big defensive tackle. We'll come back for a fifth year. And David Benda, uh, who announced yesterday that he plans to come back to Texas uh, and be a part of that linebacker core, along with Anthony Hill, uh, Leon Lafau. Mo Blackwell, Eric, um, your thoughts? Yeah, it has been an eventful, what, now eight days since the Sugar Bowl ended. There were a lot of questions as to who would be back, 
who wouldn't be back. Still obviously have two names, most notably being Quinn Ewers and Jade Barron, who have not announced. Uh, you know, Chip, you were out in front of things a few months ago, or not a few months ago, I should say. It feels like a few months ago, but it actually was right around the time of the Big 12 title game, which feels like an eternity ago. Um, that, you know, the, uh, the, the, the sentiment, the feeling is that Quinn Ewers will be back, but again, do not have an official announcement yet. Jade Barron, of course, has the COVID year. Um, and that is, is another big one as well. I think I'm gonna just going to start with the guys who are gone. In my mind, no real surprises. I think the biggest surprise, if you wanted to do, you know, do the air quote surprise, would probably be Ryan Watts. That's someone that you think probably could have went 50-50. I, I, I think in the transfer portal, take a look at Jaron Thompson leaving, and, and, and that may have been one that – raise some eyebrows but again you got to kind of take a look at you know a the way this year's roster shook out with jaron while and i wrote about this while he still played over 530 snaps his snap count was down almost 250 snaps from a season prior and of course you get andrew makuba coming in you know come back home coming from clemson uh zaver philosophy coming in and, and you got to assume that it's going to be another safety rotation even with michael taft you know he's not going anywhere he's you know burnt orange and white through and through austin native he's not going anywhere so there's three names which would have been in addition to jaron should he have decided to return obviously heads out in the in the transfer portal but yeah like i, I mentioned chip in my mind no real surprise i mean a guy like byron murphy leaving early when you're guess what guys you know there's nfl has a premium on massive defensive tackles who you know are strong like oxes and can wreck shop inside right so no real surprise there after the year he had of course Devondre sweat out of eligibility i'd say as far as the returners uh david benda you know that one surprised me a, a little bit just the fact that you know he's obviously a, a veteran guy and you have to wonder what his role in the linebacker room will be chip could it be similar to this year's role right he talked about leonga lafau whether he's you know we kind of looked at him as the possible heir apparent to Jalen Ford on the inside, but th that could be a situation where maybe he's on the outside and maybe Anthony Hill is on the inside, but is, is, you know, Benda kind of that guy who's that, that, uh, that, that, you know, bridge gap, right. You know, where he, he gets more playing time in the early part of the year until a guy like Lafau, which again, he may be ready coming out of camp, but maybe it's a similar situation. Who knows? But I, I think that's a guy like Benda. You know, it was a smart guy. We talked to him pretty regular. He's pretty self-aware. He knows his role on this team. So, that's one to keep an eye on. I, I think we'll dive a little bit deeper into Alfred Collins a little bit later on, but I think that one's huge, you know, in, in terms of the interior defensive line, Chip. You know, I, I, I got to give credit to yourself and Jeff Howe who kind of planted. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com seed as far as this being an article idea for me and now that we further than the past jamo two guys who took leaps under bo davis Hey, 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You go look at this year, Byron Sweat, Andre Mervin, Byron Byron Mervin. In terms of returners, Chip, I, I think one of the, the biggest building blocks of guys who had a stay or go decision was Alfred Collins. And, and I want to give, you know, you and Jeff credit as far as really planting the seed, as far as, you know, I kind of wrote an article about this um, during Sugar Bowl week. You, you take a look now that it's presumed that Bo Davis is going to be back in, in 2024. You, you take a look at his pedigree, his history, even just being here at Texas over the past few years. Uh, Keandre Coburn, Murrow Ojimo, those are two guys who took tremendous leaps. You take a look at their, their counting stats and their pro football focus uh, grades increased you know, tremendously in the time under Bo Davis. And then this year with Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy. So I think the return of AC chip is one that again, was left to see what happens with Quinn, you know, and you reported that the all signs are all signs point to him return to Texas. And I love to see what happens with Jade, but if you can at least get this final year of AC, he takes that next step under Bo Davis and kind of becomes that, that game wrecker, that guy who, when I talked with, AC and Bo Davis at the Sugar Bowl, they both said the next step for him is a pass rusher. They feel that, you know, both of them feel that he's done an adequate job as a run stuffer and, and his size and athleticism. But the next step for him is from, you know, being kind of just a, a rotational guy to being just a, a guy who just wrecks shop in the insides his pass rush. If he can take that next step combined with a Vernon Broughton, we'll see Trill Carter enter the transfer portal. I, I can't remember where Trill just landed. I, I believe it was back in the power five memory serves me correct so he's obviously no longer with the roster but some of the young guys he felt confident in and and you know deontay robinson alex january and some other guys that's going to be key to see where that interior of the defensive line uh really lies yeah um i uh i agree with you um and trill carter has committed to auburn um so yeah i the Alfred Collins news is big time. As far as Quinn, I guess he's out hunting. I, I keep seeing pictures of him with some giant buck uh, well, well, laying well, next to him. Well, Chip, I just saw him at the Tarrant County, which I, I know you went to SMU, so you can speak to that better than I. Is that Fort Worth? Fort Tarrant Worth. County. Yeah, he was at the, the Tarrant County. Uh, he was in a suit, Chip. I, I just feel like, you know, we've got to create a juxtaposition here. He was at Tarrant County uh, leading the Commissioner's Court of in, uh, Invocation uh yesterday morning in a suit so juxtapose that compared to him being out hunting so i just had to throw it out there really quick well i think longhorn fans are like yo quinn uh you know while you're driving to the tarrant county event or driving back from you know hunting a buck can you give us a little <laughs> little heads up on what the plans are because uh everybody's eagerly awaiting the decision. And as far as Jade Barron, um, we know he accepted his senior bowl invitation. He accepted it a while ago before right. the season ended. And then Eric, he didn't have the kind of finish to the season he would have wanted. I mean, from the, from the pro football focus grade standpoint, 
five of his worst games came in the back half of the season. And I don't know what was going on, if he was putting too much pressure on himself or what, but that we saw some football from Jade Barron we're not used to seeing. And and so who knows? I mean, the last time I talked to a source uh, close to that situation, um, they felt like Jade was doing his homework, but that it was still probably 70-30 him leaving. But that was four or five days ago. So it's uh it is interesting that uh that Jade, who does not have to make well, he's got until the 15th of this month to enter. I guess he's considered an underclassman because he has the COVID year. I don't know. But I would imagine we'll get um an indication an indication soon because school resumes on January 16th and um and so that would be interesting if Jade Barron decided um, to come back. I'm not, I'm not hearing that at this point. But with each day passing by, it makes you wonder. And it is going to be interesting, Eric, because as we start to look ahead now, we got 18 early enrollees coming in here for for the uh, beginning of this spring semester. And that's incredible. It used to be like three or four guys. Now we're talking about 18 and they're high impact guys like Colin Simmons and Brandon Baker, um, Kobe Black, you know, Xavier Filsimi, you mentioned um, Andrew Makuba, the transfer from Clemson will be here uh, right away. But, you know, the secondary is fascinating because you, you know, Ryan Watts is leaving. I think Malik Muhammad steps right in at boundary corner. And and then you've got, you know, Gavin Holmes is still part of the program and Terrence Brooks, but Warren Roberson's a name that we've heard that to keep an eye on at corner. And you've also got, you know, Jalen Gilbo and Austin Jordan who've played some nickel, Jelani McDonald who can play nickel or safety. I'm starting to think he will probably be at safety, but uh, it's going to be an eventful spring for sure, because you've got a lot of big names you've got to fill and replace um, on the offensive side. Certainly Adonai Mitchell as big a, I don't know if there was a player in the, you know, from the transfer portal who had a bigger impact on his new team in all of college football uh, than then Adonai Mitchell with 11 touchdown catches, including um, a catch in the Sugar Bowl that gave him a touchdown catch in five straight college football playoff games and nearly the game winner uh, on that final play of the Sugar Bowl. So it's there's a lot going on. But yeah, you mentioned the Jaron Thompson um, decision. And with Andrew Makuba coming in with, we know, Derek Williams is a guy they're very high on and a guy they're going to have in the rotation for sure. I thought that was interesting. Jaron Thompson was the best cover defensive back for Texas, according to pro football focus this year, but up and down, you know, other areas, missed tackles, that kind of thing um, gave up more touchdowns than any other 
defensive back in um, for Texas as well, which is interesting. So, yeah, it's there's a lot going on here, and you've also got ESPN coming out with their way too early rankings, and they've got Texas number two behind uh, Georgia, and that felt a little high, a little high to me, Eric, a little high. Listen, uh, I'm right there with you, and the only and, and, and listen. I guess what really gave me pause is we don't even know for all intents and purposes. Again, we believe Quinn Ewers is coming back, but man, like you go on number two, and we don't even have confirmation on some, on some of those things yet. Uh, you know, I, I guess they're projecting uh, Quinn to be back as well. But you know, you lose a Jonathan Brooks, and you lose to Andre Sweat and Byron Murphy, and and all the guys we rattled off to go number two. Uh, it's you know, there's a twofold way of looking at it, right? One, man, that's a little high. But the flip side is it really is, speaks, gives testament, Chip, to what Steve Sarkeesian has built, to where this is no longer a team that you have to see everything in front of you. You can believe that the cupboard is full. The cupboard is not empty. This is going to be a reload, not a rebuild, at least per ESPN. I will say this, Chip. Uh, I'm going to touch on a couple of points. One, let's start with the run game. C.J. Baxter, Jaden Blue. I think in my mind, you know, I, I was really impressed with C.J.'s 116 yard outing, if memory serves me correct, at Iowa State. I think that showed that he's a guy you can turn around and hand the ball to 20 times. Is he still learning the position? Absolutely. Is he breaking tackles, forcing missed tackles at the rate that Jonathan Brooks was? And, and, and that crucial ability is this one that really saw this Texas offense go from kind of being stagnant in, in, a, in a sense those first two weeks. Not to say that Alabama they didn't you know play a great game, but you know, one that post Wyoming really kind of hit their stride, right? I think CJ is going to grow in, in, in that regard. That's one. Jaden Blue Chip looks to be just a home run threat potentially every time you give him the football. That one-two punch, I think, is going to do a, a phenomenal job in the run game and really, you know, give Texas and Fashar Choice possibly one of the top running back rooms in the nation for the third straight room, the third straight year, excuse me. Uh, we'll flip to receivers really quick, right? You know, it's a bit unproven, but I think you got high upside. You got John Tay Cook. You know, you got Matt Golden, who was a guy who, again, was a four-star um, recruit for Texas, for, for Texas, for Houston, and, and played really well, of course, his freshman year is under Tank Dell, right? So, you know, DeAndre Moore is a guy that Caught two touchdowns against Texas. Two touchdowns against Texas. Yes, certainly yeah. can play against big-time competition. Uh, DeAndre Moore, you know, Ryan Wingo, the guys coming in. High upside, again, you have to feel confident there. We'll see what that looks like. Definitely glad that you have some of those guys coming in early, right? But you take a look at the tight end spot, JT Sanders, guy we didn't talk about too much, but he makes a decision to leave for the NFL draft. Gunnar Helm, shown that he can be adequate enough at tight end chip. In terms of he's not going to be the athletic specimen that JT was, but Gunnar's, a, you know, to quote Jeff Banks, a guy who busts his ass and went in there and, you know, demanded not demanded but asked for uh, a greater role and went there and earned it right and, and you know that's something that i think you can pair and of course you know you're going to fill in behind him so i think at least offensively you can feel confident about some of the guys you're losing and we've talked about the defensive guys i talked about the interior the defensive line you have to fill with a colin simmons coming in and you talk about the secondary there's only room for growth there so maybe just maybe chip espn as i said feels that this is a reload and not a rebuild yeah i think that's a huge testament um, to 
the confidence they have in Steve Sarkeesian offensively that he's going to attract players like A.D. Mitchell, who didn't even take a visit, like finished his second national championship season at Georgia, wanted to be closer to his daughter, Isolin, um, his two-year-old daughter, uh, who was living with his parents in Texas. And so he picks Texas without taking a visit because he knows Steve Sarkeesian's offense. He watched Alabama in 2020. He watched uh, Xavier Worthy catch 12 touchdown passes as a freshman and knew Texas was a place. I was told by a source very close to that situation. AD wants to go somewhere where he can catch 50 balls and 10 touchdowns and go to the NFL. And he caught 55 balls and 11 touchdowns, and he's going to the NFL. So I think that pedigree shows. And obviously getting a guy like Matthew Golden in the portal, I don't think Texas is done in the portal at the receiver position. And and then the way that they're recruiting at receiver, like you said, with Jonte Cook and Ryan Wingo, um, you've got you know Freddie Dubose and Parker Livingstone, who's you know six foot four guy who can run away from people and is all dyed in the wool Texas. So I just think that people look at a Steve Sarkeesian team and know, oh, he's going to have a quarterback. He's going to have receivers. So we don't worry about the Texas offense. It's about the Texas defense. And and on the Texas defense, I'll say, you know, there there has been, and I'm trying to see if the smoke has died down. Um, LSU was coming hard after Bo Davis again. Brian Kelly seems like this is his annual uh attempt to to lure Bo Davis to LSU. And I, you know, Bo's still here. So at this point, I think it uh may have, you know, that that attempt has come and gone, but it was it was real and it was i mean lsu was really you know putting a lot into that so look if bo davis stays that's huge you know right up there with with alfred collins and and vernon broaden and and all those guys because you look at their farm system with sadir mitchell jerey bledsoe those are guys who need to really make a big move this year and then you get the three newcomers with Alex January, Melvin Hills, DeAndre Robinson. Those guys need to hit the ground running, develop as quickly as possible. Look at Michigan, Eric. We're going to be writing stories about Kenneth Grant and and uh, Mason Graham. Those dudes are sophomores, and they were playing a ton at defensive tackle for Michigan and making plays, and, and so that – that's that's just such a tough position. We talk about it all the time. Difference making defensive tackles are the hardest players to find outside of a top end quarterback. Maybe even harder these days with all the quarterback um, seven on seven and co- quarterback coaches and all that. And Bo Davis, he develops those guys so. Um, a lot has been going on in terms of the offseason, and that brings us to Johnny Nansen, the new uh, co-defensive coordinator, linebackers coach for Texas, who was the defensive coordinator at Arizona. And 
And Johnny Nansen is a guy who has worked with both Steve Sarkeesian and Pete Kwiatkowski um, dating back uh, to their, you know, their you know, days at Washington, Steve Sarkeesian's days at Washington. Um, and then he went with Steve Sarkeesian to USC. He was actually retained at USC when Steve Sarkeesian was fired in, in 2015. And, and Johnny Nansen kind of kept building his resume to the point where he became the defensive coordinator at Arizona under Jed Fish and helped them uh, to a very successful season, beat Oklahoma in the bowl game. And, and I know, you know, the folks at Arizona were, were really disappointed when Johnny Nansen, um, you know, took the Texas job, but uh, Eric, he's also a really strong recruiter. They call him the poly whisperer because he's got such a strong uh, connection to the Polynesian community and has found, you know, uh, I'm going to butcher the name, but Lufanga, who is one of the best uh, DBs in the NFL right now. Um, he's, he's just a guy who knows what he's looking at in terms of talent evaluation can recruit and can develop and there's history. So this feels like a solid hire. Jeff Choate is um, really, a really talented coach felt like Texas was lucky to get him. He remember he, he only came to Texas because Montana had canceled their season because of COVID. And he was like, I got to go somewhere at that point. Didn't know what, future held so he took the job at texas in early 2021 um and he certainly helped develop that linebacker room jalen ford anthony hill uh, now he's the head coach at nevada good for him and and so you know that's a big piece of the puzzle that's been added to the coaching staff yeah chip i'm gonna work in reverse here you talked about his talents as a recruiter i think did a great job spotlighting that when you uh you broke that higher that's what stood out to me uh, i think if you get someone who listen I, I think there are enough recruiters on this staff who have various areas covered right but to get someone who kind of you know has that west coast southern california landscape and as you mentioned you know the the, the poly whisperer chip that just feels like uh, another who you know and you talk about arizona not wanting him to be to leave and be disappointed he left i mean just what a major in my mind win for for texas to be able to get someone just even on that front alone because you know he's gonna be able to bolster the roster from that front right and that area produces a lot of talent uh especially defensively guys who, who will fit that mold now uh the, the other aspect of it in my mind is i think staff continuity matters chip I, I think i've seen a, a lot of it in, in my you know eight years covering college football to where you can't just you know get a guy and and and, and i mean chip it happens sometimes you know you don't always have to have a prior relationship with an assistant you know sometimes you can be recommended by someone or a coach you know swallows their pride and says hey you know this might be the, for the betterment of my program but i think being able to get someone as you talked about having that prior relationship with both pk and steve sarkeesian just huge because this entire season, as it was told to us, was built on culture, right? And if you get someone like him who is going to, A, be able to, you know, pick up that messaging that trickles down from Steve Sarkeesian and company and someone who is going to, you know, kind of coach in that mold and, and emulate, you know, his relationship with his players in that mold, that again is huge. So just in my mind, you know, a win on several fronts for Texas. Yeah. 
And um, one of the players that uh, Johnny Nansen is credited with helping to develop there at Arizona, uh, Jacob Manu, sophomore, uh, all Pac-12 first team linebacker who led the Pac-12 in tackles and tackles per game uh, while also posting six and a half sacks. So um, that uh, sophomore, I always like to point out when the young guys are breaking through and and making an impact. And so uh, Johnny Nansen looks to be a, a solid um, addition to this to this coaching staff. Um yeah, the just one more thought on the ESPN way too early rankings at, at number two. Um, you know, obviously to me, we got to see that we got to see the pass catchers come in. Texas is losing its top five pass catchers. You, when you look at Xavier Worthy, A.D. Mitchell, um, you know, Jordan Whittington, Jatavian Sanders and Jonathan Brooks. So that's a lot. And we got to see how that comes together. I don't have any reason to doubt that it won't come together, especially if Quinn Ewers is indeed back at quarterback. Um, and then, you know, defensively, how do you, how's that communication? You want to be strong right up the spine of your defense, your, your two defensive tackles, your middle linebacker, your safeties. You know, you got to be strong right up, the spine and that communication has to be great. Well, that's going to be all new in a lot of ways. Even if with Alfred Collins and Vernon Broughton, guys who've played, um, they have to get used to communicating with whoever's going to be the new middle linebacker, whether it's David Benda or Anthony Hill or Leonga LaFau. And then they have to get used to the communication with the back end of the defense. I thought there were some issues with that this year that impacted certain games, especially the games where Texas had big leads and then suddenly teams are getting hot in the passing game. But uh, that culture, that culture also needs to be revitalized. And, and I think Steve Sarkeesian knows it. And, and so look, we're going to find out September 7th uh, what's going on with these Texas Longhorns because they're going to play the, the national champion Michigan Wolverines in the big house and that's gonna let everybody know just exactly where texas is um you know eric texas basketball we we chose to record on a wednesday so we could watch texas play at cincinnati last night and i gotta say i thought there was a major breakthrough in this game and i'm, I'm not breaking any news here dylan DeZoo, 33 points six rebounds um, two blocks, four steals. Uh, he dominated that game from start to finish. And this was the Dylan DeZue we saw at the end of last year when, when he emerged in the Big 12 tournament and never stopped. Um, averaged 22 points, 10 rebounds in the NCAA tournament was the guy who turned around the Penn State game. They were up 11. Suddenly they were down three with you know, four minutes left and they were in a huddle and Ronnie Terry's drawn up a play for Marcus Carr and Marcus Carr said, no, let's draw it up for Dylan. He's hot. And Dylan DeZue, they came out of that timeout. Dylan DeZue scored 10 of the next 12 points 
and helped Texas extend their lead back out um, in that win. And then, you know, heartbreaking, he, he injures his foot in practice that week. He ends up having to have offseason surgery. And we just hadn't seen him play with that kind of confidence. Hell, we hadn't even seen him start until last night, Eric. And then he starts uh, for Caden Shedrick, who had back spasms. And Dylan DeZue was everywhere like from the beginning. Ended up making four three-pointers. Um, just, you know, his defensive effort mentioned the four steals, the two blocks. He hits the answer basket down the stretch um, with 43 seconds left. Um, and then they they get a last second or, you know, Max Aismas hits the game winner with eight seconds left since he misses a pretty good look at a three. Uh, Texas gets out of there with a win. But to me, this team's been looking for a player to to lead. And Dylan DeZue is that guy because we saw it last year. And then we saw it again last night. And now I'm fascinated to see how Rodney Terry coaches this team. And, I mean, obviously Dylan DeZue has got to be in the starting lineup. Um, Brock Cunningham can come off the bench. He's a much better energy guy off the bench than as a starter. I think that's an easy switch. Um, and and if I'm Rodney Terry, I'm telling the guards, hey, we need more post touches for Dylan DeZue or wherever he is because he's the best three-point shooting. Uh, he's the best three-point shooter on the team right now. He's hit 10 of 19, 52%. So uh, I thought this was a massive breakthrough last night. Oh man, Chip. Uh, I, 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 you know, there's a lot to to dive into with this Texas basketball team and I've covered them, you know, from the exhibition through St. Edwards all the way through last night's game. I think you did an excellent job really kind of giving the nuts and bolts of last night's game. So I won't dive too much into that, but I will try to tackle uh, the major issue you, you touched on there and, and kind of provide a, a bigger perspective. Dylan DeSue, as you talked about, Chip, it felt like even you know from the time this team opened the season, we weren't going to get a true read on what they were until DeSue was back and Caden Shedrick was healthy. Well, Shedrick ended up getting cleared two days before the season opener, and he appeared to really kind of be a nice piece. The biggest thing with Caden, Chip, is quite frankly, as a big, he can't pass himself the ball. And he's had a couple nights this year where he's only gotten four shots, five shots. You know, that's been challenging. So now you get Dylan DeSue back. He comes back for the LSU game and he puts up 17 in his first game back. And then it's been a bit of a work in progress. The last four games prior to last night's game hadn't had double digits. And as you mentioned, was coming off the bench, the starting lineup of Max Aismas, Tyrese Hunter, Dylan Mitchell, Caden Shedrick, and Brock Cunningham pretty much carried the way with a, a few uh, blips here and there, which I'll come to in a second. You make the, the case, which seems like an easy switch, sw switching Brock Cunningham out for Dylan DeSue. I do think that's something you have to entertain, right? After last, last night's performance, there's no way, and DeSue was on a minutes restriction, as we were told by RT and DeSue leading up to, you know, the, the two-game road swing that, you know, was looking about 20-something minutes a night. DeSue said in the post game that, yeah, he hadn't played more than 21, 22, played uh, I believe it was 34 last night, if memory serves me correct, or 36 minutes. So I have to go back and, and check the, the box score there. But, yeah, I, I think now, Chip, whether it was, you know, 
through accident or through through uh, circumstance, you know, you, you now can see that D'Souza's ready for more action. So sliding him in, into the four minutes again, last night, thirty four, right? So there you go. So uh, he may be. It looks like he's going to be ready for for more action. Chip, we got to talk about this bench um, because it is, quite frankly, it's an issue. I asked RT following the 78-67 loss to Texas Tech, in, in which Tech had 20 bench points to Texas's 11. I asked him, I said, hey, you know, kind of what are your feelings on the bench? And he talked about, you, you know, kind of give the standard answer of, you know, that everyone needs to do more, right? It's not just a bench thing. But you take a look at last night's game, Chip, four bench points from the Texas Longhorns bench compared to, I believe, 26 from Cincy. You have four players right now. It's really been an eight to nine man rotation. You have four players who are primarily come off the bench. You got Zarek Onyema, who someone chip, who I know you've been high on, but he's kind of been a little uh, up and down this year. You have IT Horton. You can kind of use Brock Cunningham. He's been, you know, primarily a starter, but he's come off the bench and Kendall Weaver. That's, that's it, right? Chip, if you send Brock to the bench, in my mind, if you're not getting scoring from Kendall Weaver right now, his game is effort, it's energy, it's 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 hard-nosed, but still not a consistent shooter, which is a bit surprising considering we take a look last year playing at the WAC, he was a 40% shooter from three, not reaching those numbers this year. And then the biggest thing, Chip, that we got to get into is IT Horton. And this one, it, you know, I've seen a fair amount of IT because he spent last year at my alma mater UCF. And prior to that was at Pitt and at Delaware chip his entire career. He's been a scorer. Uh, he's been a guy as a three point shooter. You know what you're getting with him. His defensive rating this year uh, could leaves a, a little bit to be desired, but he's been that way chip his entire career. He's never been the best on ball defender. He's been the best perimeter defender, but he's been able to offset what he lacks on defense by being a guy who's going to give you at least 10 plus points a game. The most interesting quote, Chip, and I don't know if you heard it, was after, oh man, it was the UT Arlington game that Tyrese Hunter missed with the flu or was sick. It wasn't said flu, but it was sick. IT slid into the starting lineup, gave you 10 points and 10 rebounds. Post game, he was asked, I believe Mark Rosner of the Associated Press asked him the question in terms of, you know, what's it been like adjusting to being off the bench versus the starter? And he said, and this isn't the direct quote, I'm kind of paraphrasing, he was a guy who always felt that, you know, you could just, insert him in right you know he, he's a team player first you can just insert him in and he gets heat up and score but he's kind of seen this here that it's not quite as easy to be that sixth man role coming from a guy who outside of his freshman year at delaware has been a starter all the way through he said it's been an adjustment for him so chip the last two games it horton has played 28 minutes attempted two shots zero points the zero points is one thing but for a guy who's been a shooter his entire career, has made over you know 120 something threes in his career, only get up two shots. That means his role, his comfort level on the court is not there. And if he's not giving you anything, or I don't say anything, but he's not giving you uh, you know an outstanding defense, you got to find a way to get this fixed, Chip. I, I don't know if it's you know possibly Chris Johnson coming on seeing more time, or if it's even I, an idea that I floated out prior to last night's game. Maybe sliding IT into the starting lineup to where he at least gets his rhythm. You get the points out of him. But that, to me, in my mind, is necessitated upon Tyrese Hunter playing improved defense and your other forwards being above average defensively. Because you know Max Aismas is what he is defensively, right? Uh, we saw Pop Isaacs take him down, you know, a crucial stretch there when Texas had cut the Texas Tech lead to six 
all of a sudden they turn to Pop Isaac, say, you know, go take your smaller man after Dylan Mitchell kind of fronted him a little bit. Pop Isaacs gets a score. So you know Max Acemas is what he is defensively, uh, and IT Horton is what he is defensively. So in my mind, Chip, you know, did Dassault certainly a big factor? You think you got to start him. But if you're not getting anything out of IT, a guy's a 50-year player, who's averaged over 10 points for his career, it's tough. I think it's going to be really tough for this team. Well, I, I'm going to blow your mind here. Okay. And I've been saying I think Kendall Weaver is a – a little bit of a um, Royal Ivy starter kit from a defensive standpoint. And I'm almost inclined to give him more minutes because the, the top of the defense, meaning the guards, the, the top of your, your defensive presence is not good. And Kendall Weaver can give you that. And even if, Teams are attacking Ace Miss. Weaver's a guy who's quick enough to get over um, and help double or at least discourage teams from just, you know, getting into one-on-one situations with Max Ace Miss. Um, Because what Kendall Weaver gives you is defensive effort and he gives you more possessions. So as long as he's playing with that kind of, intensity and i think that kind of intensity needs to be rewarded because dylan mitchell is amazing but there are still times defensively where he's like where's my man and you're like how can that be like where is what are you thinking about you're so talented you have all this ability the guy can you know go get rebounds whenever he wants he can clean up around the rim He's certainly got to work on his range. Um, But Dylan Mitchell should be an automatic double-double every game with his rebounding and just putbacks. He should be able to get 10 points. Um, If more guys think that way, think defensively rebounding, you know, we talked about on Yema. If he's dialed into rebounding and blocking shots and not even thinking about his offense, he's going to get more minutes because everybody – gets energy and and gets more confidence honestly when they're making good defensive plays and it's leading to offense and that's the system that Rodney Terry grew up in under Rick Barnes Rick Barnes always said don't worry about shooting don't worry about shooting shooting's going to come and go give me everything you got on defense and the shooting will take care of itself he always told players get lost in the game and and it has served Rick Barnes well now you know one final four, but that's where Rodney Terry's got to lay down the law with this team because it's, it was looking messy. It was, it was not progressing. It was getting worse. And, and that sort of came to a head in the loss to Texas tech at home uh, in that big 12 opener. And I thought what we saw last night from an intensity effort standpoint led by Dylan DeZue. We know what Max Acemas is, um, but they need energy and they need better defense up front. I thought Tyrese Hunter could be that guy. He's up and down. He was cramping again the other night, or maybe it was the flu still bothering him. But the one thing I've seen from Kendall Weaver is nonstop effort, and that needs to be rewarded because he needs to maintain that every time he comes into the game. Um, to help set that tone 
on the front end of the defense, if you got Dylan DeZue, hopefully Caden Shedrick can get healthy and, and get right. And Dylan Mitchell, all working that hard on the defensive end. I think this team will get better. And so I'm fascinated to see how Rodney Terry handles this. Yeah, Chip. I mean, to your point with Kendall, and it is a very good point. Perimeter defense is one. Again, especially with Max, you know what you're going to get on the offensive end, and the same applies for the defensive end. You know, he's six foot, and to be honest, that's probably in shoes, right? Maybe maybe six and change in, in, in sneakers, right? So he's going to be a guy, like Max tries defensively. You know, I'm not, it's not a lack of effort, but he just is what he is. Tyrese Hunter even had a, a, a moment last night, Chip. I'm not even going to try and pronounce the forward uh, from Cincy's name. It's Simus, uh, but I'm not even going to pronounce the, the last name. Who Chip? I'm sure you saw when Cincy went up one. Um, excuse me. Uh, yeah, I think the closest. Right, right. I believe it was the the shot that put Cincy up one. Um, he just took Tyree Hunter, you know, at six six, just backed him down, got him right there around the free throw line, made his move, fade away, a bucket, right. And, and that's one of those times. I mean, I guess maybe if you would have liked to see Dylan Mitchell possibly switch, but uh, since he also had the big man, the the seven footer. Um, the, the other uh, uh, kid was again, whose name I'm not going to pronounce. <laughs> they had, they, for, the, for the audience, they had a couple of overseas kids whose names I see. Bondego. There we go. Yeah. Um, who was having a good night as well. So that probably necessitated for Dylan's uh, size in the post. Right. But yeah, uh, they need better perimeter defense. I mean, even since he shot the three ball well last night, and that's something that kind of troubles you, especially coming off of Texas Tech, really shooting the three ball well. And, and you know, Again, to bring it back to where we started this conversation, DeSue saved the day. Is you know, four of 10 from three, just instant scoring. And Chip, the thing with DeSue that you really, in my mind, was the first time we saw this this year against premier competition. Tyrese Hunter, yeah, I got to give him credit. His outside game has improved as well as his two-point shot. Shot like 38% last year. He's out 45, 46% this year. Three ball, still not a consistent part of his game, but it's getting better. Um, but there hasn't been a time, even Max, Max doesn't have issues getting to his spots. For all of his size limitations, he gets to his spots. But Dylan DeSue was a guy who was like, give me the ball. I'm going to dribble, penetrate, and was able to make plays. And, and that helped as well. So really helped open up things uh, for his game. So we'll have to see uh, how that goes. But yeah, uh, definitely. A yeah, that's, and I know we're spending more time on basketball yeah. than we've ever yeah. spent. But that's the fascinating thing for me about when Shedrick comes back. Because DeSue was dragging defenders all over the floor out to the three-point line. He's got that little push shot, you know, that mid-range. And then he's got, he's got, you know, moves around the basket too. Um, over the shoulder moves, little bank shots. He's a complete player. And this is why he came back. He wants the load. He wants to be the guy. And, and I thought that was, was really big. And when Shedrick comes back, they have to, you know, figure out ways to make Dylan DeZue a matchup nightmare because we know they're going to be, if he's playing center, there's a good chance he's going to have that matchup advantage, dragging seven footers out who aren't, you know, great perimeter defenders. Um, and Shedrick hasn't shown us that yet. So he can, I think, but DeZue showed us in, exclamation points last night that he can do it. So they got to keep this offense moving. And I know I sound crazy for saying get Kendall Weaver more minutes, but I think he can help defensively. I think he can come over and help. 
I think he can help. He can be that guy who just runs around like a Dennis Rodman um, and just causes trouble. Kind of what Brock does, you know, from the forward position. And, and we'll see, because I think the energy of this team needs to go up. I got, I got too many guys who let their offense affect their defense. seems like Tyrese Hunter lets that happen. It seems like, you know, IT uh, Horton lets that happen. And I need a guy who's just focused on causing havoc and getting the ball to Dylan DeZue, getting the ball to Max A. Smith and Dylan Mitchell. If he's, you know, got, if he can get six or eight feet of range. Um, And then let's see what that looks like, because I know it sounds scary not to have shooters on the floor, but it's amazing how balls end up in the basket when you're playing great defense. Um, Kind of the calling card of, of Chris Beard as well. All right. Chip, really quick, just before you go to take or leave it, just want to get this last thought in. They have to win these two. They have to win against West Virginia and UCF because you got four Houston, um, Oklahoma, Baylor, and what's that fourth one? Uh, uh, BYU, all top 25 teams. So they need to win these two. Just want to sneak that in. Yeah, and that's why I said what I said in my column this morning that Dylan DeZue may have saved the season because if their confidence – continued to drop and if they went through a losing spell of three four games in a row i don't know that you get this team back yeah exactly so rodney's gotta take this momentum and turn it into something really positive all right let's let's move on to take it or leave it kids we'll do that when we come back right after this and if you're watching us on the uh, Horns 24-7 YouTube channel, please like and subscribe the channel. Uh, and of course, if you listen to us on podcast or wherever you listen to us, please, we'd love a five-star rating. Positive review helps with the bosses. Um, but Eric, it is time for some take it or leave it. You ready? I am ready, Chip. And I think you are tossing it to me first. Okay. All right. Um, get it up to, there we go. All right. The, uh, the biggest decision to return by a Texas football player so far, uh, is Alfred Collins. Take it or leave it. So chip really quick. I should have asked you when you pitched this question, you're just referring to the guys who have decided to return. That's not a hypothetical as far as could an AD Mitchell or Jonathan Brooks have returned, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's of the players who we have decided to return, return so far. So far. There we go. All right. So, Yo so Quinn. far. So Yo far. Then, about a little something. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> no. So, so far. Yes. So far, final, far and away, in my mind, it is AC. No disrespect to Benda. No respect to Jake Majors. Um, two very crucial, pivotal, I'll even call them culture pieces, you know, but AC chip and you can speak this better than i have having you know seen the entirety of his texas career feels like a guy who's still scratching the surface chip and it's not often in, in, in my experience usually around junior year midway through junior year it's like all right we've seen it, it, it it's time to give that young guy a look ac still as a fourth year not entering a fifth year guy still looks like he can yes yeah, scratch that service that potential and have a breakout year so I, i'm saying i'm taking it what about you yeah i agree i agree I'm taking this. Um, Alfred Collins, 
third highest rated uh, pass rusher on the team um, behind uh, Byron Murphy and Baron Sorrell. Uh, no, behind Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy. So Alfred Collins, keep keep coming. Keep it coming. You got a chance to make yourself a whole lot of money in 2024. Next one up. The hardest player to replace of the early departures is AD, the touchdown guy, Adnai Mitchell. Okay, so this is interesting. If... Alfred Collins had not chosen to return, I'd probably say Byron Murphy here. But because Alfred Collins is returning, along with Vernon Broughton, that eases the pain of losing Byron Murphy a little bit. So I'm going to take this. Um, Adnan Mitchell, I've joked, he was a gift from the football gods it's like that scene in Animal House where the kid's looking at the Playboy on his bed and then the girl comes flying in through the window dressed as a Playboy bunny and he's like, thank you, God. Um, Adnan Mitchell, unbelievable. I mean, every more reds, no, more end zone targets than any other player. Uh, every time they needed a big play, they went to him. Uh, he almost pulled off the unthinkable in the Sugar Bowl. So, yeah, I'm going to take this. Eric, how about you? Chip, I'm actually going to take it as well. You know, I, I was a little bit torn. My my gut kind of leaned Byron Murphy, but this is why I'm going to go with AD. We saw, and again, you can speak this better than I did, I can being here, you know, last year, but you saw how hard it was to get Xavier Worthy receptions in 2022. Steve Sarkeesian openly talked about it. To get X, six, seven catches would have taken 15, 16 targets. This year, you can get him seven, eight catches on 10 targets, right? To my mind, Chip, while some of it has to do with the, the stability of quarterback, you know, not having to go between Hudson Card and Quentin Yours, I, I think a lot of that is having a legit number one A slash number two option on the other side. Where does that kind of see itself in 2024, right? Again, we're talking about young guys, Jontae Cook, DeAndre Moore, Ryan Wingo. Matt Golden, you know, still would be a junior. He'll probably be the most veteran of the bunch. Having that established guy on the outside, we saw what that did for the entire offense. And even, Chip, when Malik Murphy came in, and, you know, it was a little bit tougher for him to get X the ball, but he had that safety blanket and AD. So, yeah, I'm going to take it, Chip. Yeah, yeah. All right, our final. Take it or leave it. Dylan DeZeus, 33-point night in the 74-73 win over Cincinnati. Saved Texas men's basketball season. Take it or leave it. Whew, I was torn on this. Initially, I was going to leave it, Chip. But you know what? I'm taking it. And it's because of that last point I mentioned. You get West Virginia. They're struggling this year. We all know the turmoil they had. Old Huggy Bear. Got himself in a bit of trouble, so he's no longer with the program. They're kind of in a rebuild mode. And uh, Mama Mater UCF, um, they're obviously being a first-year Big 12 team under Johnny Dawkins. You got to get these two, right? Because had things gone left and they lost that game against Cincy, another Big 12 newcomer, which, by the way, if you didn't watch that game, that was no walk in the park. That was a raucous. I wrote about it, Chip. You know, Cincy has such a storied program. They spent the majority of their history being a mid-major. 
you know, uh, being in, from Tampa, I, I remember them being in the old Metro conference and like the great Midwest conference or whatever that, that was, uh, that USF played in, you know, is in the early nineties. Right. So this is their first game. Uh, and then they played in the shell of the big East. It wasn't the real big East. Right. So this was their first game being part of a power conference. And those fans were jacked all night to get the win in that environment, I think was huge. Cause like I said, you get four ranked teams after this two game stretch. If you can win these three, at least develop some confidence. Maybe Desu keeps it going. You get Shedrick back. Maybe you can get an IT going, or as you talk about, maybe Kendall Weaver more minutes. Maybe Anyema kind of feels this, it gets his stride back a little bit. That will serve huge into the meat of this Big 12 schedule. Yeah, I'm going to take it as well because it just feels like this team has been looking for someone to lead who can, you know, be a focal point. That helps take some of the pressure off too. the other guys. If if they know that the offense is going to go through Dylan DeZoo or he needs more touches. Um, and I think that's on Rodney Terry to coach it and encourage it that way. That can take pressure off other guys. Um, you know, how connected is this team? That's another big question I've had. They don't look like they're very connected. Uh, they need to go to Steve Sarkeesian's culture classes uh, to to develop culture Thursdays or something. They start something on their own, but they got to be more connected because if Dylan DeZue is going to put this on his shoulders, um, other guys have to step up. And it feels like up to this point, they've been kind of looking around for someone else to lead and not, um, you know, not uh, – try to figure this out collectively. So yeah, I'm going to take this because this is the Dylan DeZue we saw in the big 12 tournament last year in the NCAA tournament. I mean, there was no greater example than that Penn state game, Texas up by 11, they're cruising. And then all of a sudden Penn state can't miss. And they're up three with 448 left. That's winning time. Any, anytime you get to the final four minutes, that's crunch time. And Marcus Carr says, no, don't drop the play for me. Draw it up for Dylan. He's hot. And the guy goes out and makes scores 10 of the next 12 points to stretch that lead back out to almost 10 points. This guy can do it. We've seen it. We saw it again last night. Um, I'm going to take this and it it's, I don't know. It's going to be fascinating. These next, as you said, Eric, these next few games are going to be a critical stretch for whether this team finds an identity and some confidence and some backbone and some grit to, you know, win, um, win tightly contested games in a league where it's nothing but ranked opponents. So, um, yeah, I'm going to take it as well. All right, everybody. We're, uh, we're glad to be back and we're thankful for you all listening in to this episode of the flagship podcast. Um, again, please like and subscribe to this Horns 24-7 YouTube channel. And if you listen to us on podcast, please feel free to give us a five-star rating. Say something nice. We appreciate it. And uh, until next time, we'll see you over at Horns247.com. For Eric Henry, I'm Chip Brown. Stay safe and keep the faith. CBS Friday, TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free.
Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. You speak. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale, Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.